You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul here on Soul to Soul. The final show of the year for me, <coughs> Hebrew year, Rosh Hashanah Sunday night. And so happens to be that all the Chagim, all the holidays this year fall out on a Tuesday or Tuesday night. So last time we'll be on until after Simchat Torah, so in about five weeks we'll be back. So I just want to use this opportunity um, of the show to hopefully squeeze a few themes that can that uh, that are in my mind now as we enter this incredible month, and hopefully try to share some inspiration and love to hear your thoughts. As always, you can WhatsApp zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine, SMS three four five one nine. It could be a message of the show, or it could just be a nice. Shana Tova message to anyone who wants to hear. We'll read it out over here. But let's start with some music. Craig, are you ready? Let's do. It's called Time for Change by Mendy Wald here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avzan. Let's get right into it. Hope you enjoyed that song. It's the first time I've heard that song, Time to Change by Mendy Wald. Apropos to the time of the year we're at. <clears throat> so I was in Shul this Shabbos, this past Saturday, and at the Torah reading, a certain, a few words that I've obviously have passed, you know, I've read through many times, suddenly caught my attention in a way they never did before. So although this is not a Parsha show, just give me a moment, allow me a moment to give you a recap. Last week's portion spoke about various different things. One of the things was a very long um, narrative that Moshe tells the Jewish people of blessings and the opposite of blessings, what's called curses. And it's a very long monologue in the sixth Aliyah. And if you were in Shul, you notice that the sixth Aliyah just went on and on and on. Towards the end, at that time, you could just look around the room and like the noise volume is starting to go up because people are getting a bit irritated. Um, they're waiting for their mid-Aliyah break. It, it's talking about you know financial pressures that people are going to have, and it f- says in the verse, "Velo sa'amin b'chayecha, velo sa'amin b'chayecha," and you will not believe in your life. And Rashi, the commentary, comes and explains that that's talking about the financial um, instability, that people will not feel that they have financial stability. But if you take the words in their literal translation, lo tamin b'chayecha, you will not believe in your life, that's its own curse. That's its own punishment. When a person does not believe in their life, when a person does not believe that their life is worth living. You will not believe in your life. And those words just hit me in this most, like it was like gobsmacked. I was like, that is, you know, we, we usually think of that as pop psychology, pop psychology. Believe in yourself. Come on. Love yourself. Blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, from the beginning, from the Torah, it already tells us that a person must believe that their life is worth living. Every morning, as we rise, the first thing we do after we wake up, before we check our phone, 
<laughs> we say the Modani. And we say, I thank you, my God. King that lives and is existing. That you returned my soul to me with compassion. Great is your faith in me. That's what it means. Great is your faith. In who? In me. That means you believe in me, and therefore you gave me a soul again. You allowed me to wake up. And it's interesting. I was like, I was walking in the store last week, and I saw the National Geographic cover, and it was talking about sleep. And I, I usually, I basically never buy a magazine off a shelf, but sleep is something that I'm very passionate about. <laughs> Um, and I, I bought the article, and it was fascinating, the research that's going on into sleep right now. And it's literally in the past decade or two where we've really come to a whole new understanding of the vitality, the how vital it is to sleep in normal hours and quality sleep. And one of the things it talks about is that literally at a certain stage of your sleep, you're pretty much dead. There's not like the, the, you're pretty much unconscious, rather. Sorry, like there's almost no consciousness. There's you're absolute in oblivion and different reality. And now every day when you wake up, it's literally like a rejuvenation, like it's a rebirth. And the truth is, the Talmud already tells us that echad mishishim b'misa that sixty that death, sorry, that sleep is one sixtieth of death, has one sixtieth of the dynamic of death. So. Every day, God gives us the gift of life again. He allows us to wake up. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe in ourselves the way God believes in us? Because we're about to enter Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, the, the beginning of the new year, followed by Yom Kippur, followed by Sukkot, followed by Simchas Torah. I'm sure you've heard about it if you've been tuned into Chai FM the past few weeks. I'm sure you've heard all about it. We're entering an intense month on the calendar. An intense month of transformation, an intense month of reflection, an intense month of joy and family and connection and community and unity. And there's a reason why the word unity exists in community, because that's the definition of community. Come have unity. And when you come into this month and you have all the experiences, the baseline is that we have to believe in God. And believe in ourselves. Not in an egocentric way, but believe that we're worthy of going through this journey and believe that we're worthy of, 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 a, of a good year and worthy to stand in front of the king of the universe and have a conversation. And it's a simple analogy, but sometimes an, a simple analogy hits home. And that's the analogy that the great sages said that imagine every day you were invited to the most powerful person in the world that you respect more than anybody whether it was a king, whether it was a, a role model, etc., somebody that you deeply respect, and every day you get to communicate with them. Can you imagine how every day, no matter how many times you've done it before, you would still have the awe. You would still have the respect. How much more so when we walk into the king of the, all kings, God Almighty, and for the next month, we celebrate together. 
we're told actually that it's Shmini Atzeret, the last holiday in this package, which literally translates Atzeret's hold back because that's the day that God holds us back one more day because he wants to spend one more day to celebrate with us. It's literally an intense three-and-a-half-week period of connection. And this follows the, the past month and its, you know, its journey. But if a person does not believe in himself, if a person's walking around like a shmata, a person's walking around like a rag, and not feeling that they're worthy of going on this journey, feeling inadequate, then we can't even begin the journey. And I believe that that's the reason we read it in last week's Torah portion, because as a prerequisite to enter this journey is, remember that not believing yourself is one of the curses. It's one of those terrible things that are mentioned that happen when, when we go off the path. It's, a not, it's not a positive. It's a negative Everyone loves talking about how amazing Jewish guilt is. It's something to be proud about. But I want to talk about Jewish guilt when we get back from the break. But before, before we talk about guilt, let's have some music. This is a song in Russian, which actually translates net net nikava, kroniva anava, which means there is nothing like God. And that's really the message. The message is that we acknowledge God's incredible existence and our faith in Him and His faith in us. On 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. Hi, Rabbi. Would you be able to dedicate today's learning, Le'ili Nishmas, in the memory of the soul of Yitzchak ben Herschel, Shana Tova, Umetuka, to you and your family, Ktiva Vechatima Tova? Stephen, absolutely, will dedicate it in the memory of Yitzchak ben Herschel for Eluna Shama. So, let's talk about Jewish guilt. Every year, the first night of Rosh Hashanah and the first night of Yom Kippur, as I do every Friday night, I stand outside and greet people. Usually I only greet people when they're leaving, I say goodbye, but on these times that so many people come, I'm there when they come in as well. And pretty much there is this ritual that takes place, whether I like it or not, and it goes something like this. Hello, Josh. Oh, hello, Rabbi. Sorry, I know you haven't seen me in a while. I should be coming more often. And please, God, maybe I'll start coming more often. Hey, I didn't ask you. Why are you doing confession? We don't do that stuff here. Uh, I'm not experienced in that. So, like, I'll always, like, kind of deflect and say, like, why, like, I'm, all I'm doing is saying, Shana Tova, have a good year. I didn't ask you to start giving me an apology and everything that happened to you in the past year. I mean, you could definitely share a story. You could call me any time. But now is not the time to sit there giving me a whole guilt trip while you think you should be coming more often and you're not coming more often. I didn't ask you. And even if I did, it's none of my business. So... When you, you last the individual, you say, come on, like, seriously, what's this all about? They'll say, you know what, it's Jewish guilt. It's just, it's guilt. You know, I should be coming more often, however, I don't. Now, is Jewish guilt a good thing? Whether it exists or not is a debate for a different time, but many people will say it's not even a debate, it's just a fact of life, it exists. But is it good? Now, guilt, if it's translated as this ability of looking at our mistakes and wanting to change and moving better, uh, that definitely is a good thing. When we're talking about guilt, we're talking about this perpetual feeling of not good enough. 
I always have to apologize for where I'm at. Always feeling guilty that I should be doing more. Always feeling like I'm not living up to my part. You see, on the one hand, it's so pious. I mean, come on, let's talk about it. It's, it's really pious to be able to live your whole day with this aspiration for more, for this passion for growth, knowing that you can be so much more. The problem is that rarely, if ever, does this guilt make us change. On the contrary, it makes us feel inadequate. There we come and we sit another year in front of the creator of heaven and earth and we sit there saying, oh, Lord, yeah, I know the last year I said I would, you know, like shape up, but to be honest, uh, not much has changed. So, um, yeah, um, but no, this year I'm really going to change. And, um, well, the truth is, now that I think about it, I might not change. Um, But anyways, do you mind just signing me up for a good year? Have a great one. Now, what is that? Is it coming from a place of, of genuine honesty and self-knowledge or is it coming from almost like this beating oneself up, flagging ourselves on the back and just saying, you know, you're miserable. I mean, Levy, look at yourself. Look what you've come into, you know, like literally telling yourself, ah, you evil one. Stories told. Just, you know, changing a few details in the story. The story is told about somebody who heard that if you, if you beat yourself up, if you, you know, hit yourself and you give yourself clip for 40 days, you get the revelation of Elijah. And he did that. He walked out and literally every day he would go to the forest and take a whip and hit himself and hit himself. And literally he was black and blue all over and blood gushing from every place. And... Forty days later, he wakes up with a big smile on his face, expecting Elijah the prophet to show up. Alas, nothing of the sort. Elijah's nowhere to be seen. So, in absolute despair and anger, he runs over to his his local sage and he says, Oh, sage, the books are wrong. I read in the holy books that if you beat yourself up for 40 days, you get Elijah. I beat myself up for 40 days and Elijah has not shown. And the rabbi says, you know, the sage says, come with me. And the sage takes him to a stable. And there are a bunch of horses. And the sage starts massaging the horse. Oh, nice, nice horsey, nice, nice. And the guy looks at the sage and he says, you know, oh, holy sage, I'm talking to you about revelations of Elijah and you're massaging horses. What's going on over here? And the, rab- the sage turns to him and says, what don't you understand, my dear? This horse is so special. It's been beaten for the past 40 days. What was the point? The point is we could beat ourselves up. But a horse stays a horse. It doesn't get us to change. On the contrary, often it gets us to become worse because feeling inadequate and telling yourself, oh, there again with the New Year's resolution. I Again, I failed. Again, I can't get my act together. Again, I'm such a shlamazel. I'm a shlamil. I'm, I'm every single name you could call yourself. You know, think about it. If people called us the names that we call ourselves, we would hate them and we would be faribled forever. We would totally knock them out of our books. But somehow we can just beat ourselves up. And it was the Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Alabavich who said a very profound statement. He said that just like gossiping, 
and talking lush and hara about the other person as a sin, so too is gossiping and talking lush and hara about yourself a sin. Talking negatively, calling yourself an idiot, a fool, whatever it is that you, you have in your lexicon that you, you know, when you stub your toe and suddenly you start telling yourself everything you think about yourself, that's wrong. It does nothing. It might sound so righteous, to, you know, to give yourself, come on, Levy, really? What were you thinking when you said that statement? What an idiot, what a schlamuzzle. But imagine someone you loved made that mistake, would you talk to them that way? You might reprimand them. Would you curse them out? Would you make them feel like trash? So why do we do it to ourselves? Oh, it's guilt. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's, it's the, the, the great piety of beating ourselves up makes us much better people. Never, not in a million years. It doesn't make us better people. In many ways, it makes us worse. It just destroys another sense of self, another amount of self-worth. It just says, you literally good for nothing, no good, Nick. What's going to be with you? Why do we talk to ourselves so harshly? Why are we so hard on ourselves? And I'm not in any way, you know, trying to apologize for my mistakes or other people's mistakes. It's not about apologizing and justifying, but it's about being honest and being kind and being compassionate to ourselves and to understand that, yes, we made a mistake, but we're not the end of the world and we can redeem ourselves and we're not a perpetual schlamazel and we're not a perpetual um, you know, commitment breaker and resolution um, breaker, resolution destroyer. That's not our identity. But if we give ourselves a narrative that that's our identity, then unfortunately we do fit that identity. We do fit into whatever narrative we tell ourselves about ourselves, and especially going to Rosh Hashanah, which is the time that officially is meant there to, for confession and to, you know, especially Yom Kippur, it's confession and, and telling yourself all the mistakes you made. The problem is if we walk in with an attitude of self-laglation and self-beating, and with a tremendous pride in the levels of our guilt, the chances of change are pretty much close to zero. Nobody, change, nobody changes when they feel like a nothing. When do you change? When you feel you can change. What kind of person can change? A person that has an identity, a person that has self-worth. I can. The words, yes, I can, doesn't come from a schlamazel. Because the schlamazel, the person who just can't get their act together, doesn't say, yes, I can. They say, no, I cannot. That's the definition. Wherever I walk, I trip. If there's a puddle, I'll, f- I'll fall down over there. I remember last year I owned a pair of shoes from a local company. I'm not going to go into two specifics. I don't want to ruin their business. But I decided, you know, lo- lo- local is like us. So I'm going to buy a local company of shoes. And paid through my teeth for it. And God bless me. I was slipping and sliding. I don't know what was going on wrong with that shoe. It literally, every time there was a drop of water on the floor, I was slipping. Now, you would say it's totally my fault because I don't know how to walk. Chances are that's true. But somehow, the second I threw out those pair of shoes and I got myself a nice pair of rock boards or hush puppies, everything was great again. And literally, every single time, I was like falling four or five times a day. There was a drop of water on the floor and my shoe just went wham and there I went falling. Now... 
the kind of guy that's falling every single time there's a drop of water, how empowered would they feel to run in the rain with that pair of shoes? Hmm? I'll be honest, when I wore those pair of shoes, I was petrified to go out of my house. Until I bought myself another pair of shoes, I was petrified to go anywhere. Why? Because I know I'm going to slip. Those pair of shoes made me feel like an absolute loser, like an absolute schlamazel. It, I hope by now, if, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar with the word schlamazel, you get the picture. It's basically the person that literally can't get to act together and just like a total slob and just puts themselves into, you know, compromising situations on a consistent basis or is put in. The famous joke that says, what's the difference between a schlamiel, a schlamazel, and a nudnik is that the schlamiel spills the soup on the schlamazel and the nudnik wants to know what kind of soup it was. Was it chicken soup or was it pumpkin soup? So the schlamazel is the thing that, you know, everything comes at you. So imagine you're falling on the floor every single time. What, are you going to go race in the rain? Not a chance. You'll stay home in bed because you're so terrified that the shoes are going to undermine you. How much more so in life? If all you tell yourself every single day is, you schlamazel, you no goodnik, you're ma- I can't believe what kind of idiot you are. If that's the narrative we tell ourselves over and over and over, what is the chance we're going to get up and run through the rain? What is the chance we're going to go through and tackle the challenges of life? Losers aren't winners. A person that's convinced they're a loser will never win because their whole narrative is, I'm a loser. There you see again, nothing works out for me. Every business deal I go into falls apart and every relationship is that pa 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 Narrative after narrative after narrative after narrative. And then the person comes to Rosh Hashanah and says, I'm ready to change. Really, what's the chance? How do you change like that? How do you change if you believe you're unchangeable, that you don't have enough tenacity and enough courage and enough winning attitude within yourself to change? How is it possible? Guilt in the, in the way it's translated as beating oneself up is a terrible trait. It's disempowering. And without a question, it doesn't come from the right side of our heart. It doesn't come from the, the positive, the good inclination. It comes from the evil inclination. It comes from the animal within us, which, which is trying to subdue us. And in the words of the great Rabbi Aaron of Karlin, who used to say that depression isn't a sin. But the way depression can take you down, no sin can take you down like depression can. Depression is literally the biggest destroyer of transformation and of holiness and of growth. Because a person who, I'm not talking about depression as the sickness of depression, I'm talking about sadness and feeling sorry for oneself and self-pity. That whole narrative does not get people to change. And that's why the Yetzirah, the Invocation, loves it. Oh, you want to come and rush a shun and hit your chest 50,000 times and tell yourself how evil you are? I'm sorry to say. The evil within you is loving that. Why? Because there the person goes again. Okay, they'll beat themselves up. They'll tell them, are no good, Nick. They're a loser and they won't change. But if the person comes, and yes, we, we're supposed to hit the chest. That's what the law is on Yom Kippur. But the person's doing it with a sense that I can change. And yes, I've made mistakes, but I will redeem myself. I'm not a loser. I don't buy into that narrative that I'm destined to be a shlamazel the whole life. If a person has that narrative, then they truly transform. This is 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 
So the theme we're really addressing today is the theme of believing that we're worthy to go on this journey. 34519 is our SMS number, 061-895-1019 is our WhatsApp. Moving on from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur to Sukkot and Simchas Torah, just like it's impossible to transform oneself if they feel they're unworthy of transformation, it's the same thing in the second half of the month. The second half, which is the month of joy, the, the era of joy, the time of, of happiness and, and letting loose and rejoicing in, in the privilege of who we are. Low lives, or rather losers, don't know how to be happy. And I'm not talking about, I'm not saying this in a condescending way. I'm based on the conversation we had till now. That if a person thinks they're a loser, they don't know how to be happy. Losers are morose. Ugh. Yeah, everything's been going terrible and nothing's really exciting and blah, 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 blah. And everything's so, you know, like heavy and, you know, lethargic. And every time you talk to them, you, you, you walk out trying to think about why you should live for another minute because it's like so depressing. A person that doesn't believe in themselves and a person that doesn't have a, an energy that, that life is there for the taking and that they can transform won't be able to touch into joy as well. Because joy only comes from a fact that you think that your life is worth celebrating. But if you're a low life, if you're a schlamazel in your own eyes, nah, what's there to celebrate? Nah. You're no good, Nick. Everything's terrible. The whole world is out to get you. Don't you know that? I mean, seriously, come on. I mean, everybody's out to get you. And, and you're out to get yourself. So, like, you really don't have anything working for you. So goes the narrative in the person's mind. And then you sit there saying, come on, it's Simchas Torah, boy, let's go dance. And they're like, mm, dance, what, how, where, what, wh- why? Dance? What, what, what am I dancing about? I'm too self-conscious to dance. And self-consciousness also comes from a tremendous low self-esteem because what are people going to say? Like, Who cares? Because my whole identity, I don't think highly of myself. So my identity doesn't come from what I think of myself. My identity comes what you think about me. And because you're going to think I'm a nobody, if I dance on the floor, I don't want to dance. Like, it's it's unbelievable. One of the things that uh, Rabbi Tversky, incredible writer, very prolific writer, says that he wrote 40 books with all the same theme. And the theme is self-esteem. That means everything boils down when a person doesn't feel samin b'chayecha that your life is worth living, and believe that you're you're put here for a purpose. And again, this is not an ego statement; it's a statement of faith that God put me here, and God doesn't create junk. God put me here for a purpose, and I have a purpose to play. I have a role to play. If a person doesn't have their attitude, then Rosh Hashanah doesn't happen because transformation doesn't happen. And Sukkot doesn't happen because joy doesn't happen. You cannot touch joy unless you touch within yourself a reservoir of awareness that my life is worth living. My life is not a joke. And it's worth celebrating. Ashrenu, how lucky we are. I'm blessed to be me. I mean, could you imagine if every day all we're walking around is self-pity and we feel bad for ourselves? It's almost like we don't wish being us on anybody else. It's like, shame, man. If you were me, oh boy, 
Now, why in the world would you say Ashrenu like that? If you think your life is such a waste and you look around everybody else and everybody's life is so glorious besides yours, um, yeah, you, you wouldn't be celebrating. You'd be beating yourself up. You're like that person that, that sued their parents for bringing them into the world because since the parents brought them into the world, life has just been terrible. You know, just life isn't worth living. I mean, my life is just botched up, comes the narrative. Are you kidding? Ashrenu. Sukkot and Simchas Torah scream out and they say, celebrate. Celebrate who you are. Celebrate. Be happy. Have a sense of, it's good to be alive. It's good to be, you know, part of this faith. It's good to be celebrating. It's good. This is good. What kind of life is it when we're always waiting for the, you know, the other shoe to drop, for the other a stone to fall on our head when we're just convincing ourselves, oh, telling you that last year was bad, but this year is even worse. Gosh, have I been hearing it now, huh? This year has been a tough year. Now, let's not be kind of, let's not be, you know, small about it. Many people have suffered this year, as unfortunately many people suffer throughout history and many people suffer every year and, and compassion is needed. But coming into Rosh Hashanah every single year with the same narrative, Ugh, life is terrible. Can you believe it? When I was growing up, everything was wonderful. But ever since, I don't, I don't know since ever since when, but ever since a certain stage, it just it's just getting terrible, especially this year. It's really shocking. The problem is I heard that last year as well from you and the year before and pretty much every single year you walk in and you say the same two things. This is pretty much the typical Rosh Hashanah first night conversation. Number one, can you believe how quickly the year passed by? Unbelievable. The years are just going quicker and quicker. Unbelievable. Narrative number two. Now, this year has really been tough. I mean, like there's been years before, but this year has been really tough. The problem is I've heard that Every single year, <laughs> every single year from the same people. And you're like eventually years don't go quick. They just go. And obviously if they go quick every year, then that's the pace they go at. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean the year went quick? The year went as it went. And more importantly, why is every year just terrible and terrible and terrible and terrible and terrible? What's there to look forward to? If all you can look back and say – 2018, shocking. 2017 was terrible. 2000, oh, God. By the time you're done, you lose any motivation to even want to enter the next year. But if you could look back and say, yes, this year has had its challenges, but gosh, it's been blessing. I mean, think about it. I had a new grandchild. My, my marriage got stronger. I made a, a good business deal at the time. I learned a few lessons around the way. I built some of my friendships. I lost some money and I learned a lesson. Whatever it is, the whole narrative can change. But no, it's good to be miserable. It's almost like it's cool to be morose. Some people think about it. cool people don't let loose and dance. Go to a wedding and look at the dance floor and see who are the people that are dancing there. The people who don't think they're cool. But the cool people who are all, you know, the tie is perfectly fit. They're standing on the side and they're checking their cell phone every five seconds to see if any news came in and looking very official and very busy. Why? Because they're too awkward to get on the dance floor. And I'm not judging because I've often been in that space where I'm just like, you know, dancing's for like, you know, you know, people that are just like wild and weird. And like, I'm just going to stand on the side and I'm just going to like make myself sound very busy and find a conversation to chat to. It's not cool to be serious. 
I mean, maybe it's not cool to be cool. Who says it, who says being cool is right? The, it definitely, it's not right to be serious. Some days of the year, maybe, on Rosh Hashanah, on Simchas Torah, on Sukkot, it's time to be joyous. And only a person that celebrates their life can really celebrate on these days. So we have to ask ourselves a simple question. Is my, wife, is my life worth celebrating? I think it's a very simple answer. The answer is yes. And until we don't get that answer, let's work on it. Until we can say confidently, I'm celebrating my life. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avzan. And in the final few minutes, I want to use this opportunity to give an, a blessing from the bottom of my heart to each and every one of you and to all of us. May we be in inscribed and signed into a good and sweet year. And may we appreciate during this coming year how good it is and how sweet it is. Obviously, may God make it as good as sweet as possible that it's so obvious, but we should have our eyes open to see the goodness and see the sweetness and see the goodness and sweetness in our own existence and the fact that we were born and celebrate our lives and and Commit to transform ourselves, but in a place of self-worth, not a place of perpetual negativity and guilt. Let's feel blessed to be who we are. Let's take every moment of this incredible month upon us and tap into its beautiful energy, whether it's the energy of seriousness, whether it's the energy of soul, whether it's the energy of joy, whether it's the energy of family, whatever energy comes at us during this incredible intense period. May we tap into it. May we be in sync with whatever comes our way. And may we take it all in into our, into our hearts and into our souls and into our consciousness and allow its tremendous energy to reverberate within us for the coming year. And may we just have simcha, joyous occasions. May there be no more pain, no more suffering. May all the sick people become healthy. May there be no more death. May there be no more financial struggle for people. May there be no more marital issues. May there be no more, everyone should have nachas from their kids. And all the blessings should just come in abundance to every single one of us in absolute baharchava with true, true abundance physically and spiritually in everything we need. And once again, it's been a privilege to be this year with you on Chai FM, on the Fabringen Show. Looking forward, please God, next year. As we mentioned earlier, it's going to be off for the next few weeks, my show at least, because it's on Tuesday, and all the Chagim are on Tuesdays. I'll be back here in about five weeks' time. Thank you so much for the comments, the comments on the, that come into the studio, but more importantly, the comments every time I'm walking down the street, somebody coming, sharing a thought. You know, some constructive criticism, a compliment. Thank you so much for everything, for the, the participation. And may we all be inscribed in the good of the book of good life. Signing off with a beautiful piece of music. This is Anu from Yisrael Werdiger. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Chai FM. It's been a privilege. Shana Tova. <laughs>